All right, so if you have your Bibles, um, turn with me to John chapter 15. Some of you will recognize this passage. Oh, this is a good one. John chapter 15. And, uh, and this is what it says. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. And already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Next slide. I am the vine, you are the branches, and whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing, and if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch, and it withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. Next slide. And by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, and abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. How many of you guys like guarantees right all of us here is a guarantee that god is speaking here's a guarantee that god is pronouncing and you know what that guarantee is the guarantee is this the guarantee is that if you connect biblically to jesus your life will change your life will experience fruitfulness your life will be different that's the guarantee and if you want to see this, we have to go in the backdrop of this passage a little bit, right? Jesus is giving a metaphor. He's giving us a picture. And he's looking at a grapevine. And he says, I'm the grapevine. And he says that my father in heaven, he's the gardener or he's the vine dresser. Now, if you are a vine dresser, if you are a gardener, what's your number one goal? When it, as it relates to produce and harvest and crop production. Do you, do you just want it to be kind of like, ah, that's okay, you know, just it can be semi-wilted. We can have some insect bites and holes on the leaves. And, you know, we can have some plump grapes and others can be withered. No, your single focus and, and, and desire is to maximize your harvest and crop so that when people take a bite into your grape, it explodes with a flavor profile that no one has ever experienced. You want people to say, wow. You, you, as, a, as a gardener, you want people who consume your crop to be nourished. You want them to be satisfied. You want to see smiles and joy and delight on their faces. The Father in heaven is the gardener. His sole intention is for you and I, followers of Jesus, to experience the best, 
the healthiest and biggest clusters of grapes that is possible. Now, see the relationship that exists. You have the father, who is the gardener, and then you have Jesus, who depicts himself as the vine. Everyone knows this, that your fruit is absolutely dependent and contingent upon the type of vine or type of plant that it belongs to. If the plant is diseased, guess what you're going to produce, right? If, if the plant has somehow, it's stunted in growth, you're not going to get a lot of fruit. Everything depends upon the type of stalk and also the type of um, gardener and the expertise. So the relationship, you have Jesus who is the true vine. Jesus, he says, I am the source of change. I am the source of fruitfulness in this world. I am the originator of it. And my father, he's the expert hand, knowing exactly where to cut, where to water, how to fertilize, how to care, so it maximizes fruit. So here's a guarantee that Jesus offers, and it's good news, that if we spiritually connect to Jesus in a biblical way, we are guaranteed to have our lives being transformed and changed and to bear maximum amount of fruit to God's glory. Now, if you're a Christ follower, one of the deep desires that you have is to honor and please God, right? And so one of the ways that we honor God is we allow God to do his transformative work in our lives so that we can produce the fruits that he is delighted with. Now, what fruit are we talking about here? Like, what's, what's the fruit? Well, Paul talks about the nine different fruits of the Spirit, right? And here's just a little bit of a side note. Do you notice in Galatians 5.22, guys, hear this, Paul doesn't say, here are the fruits of the Spirit. Right, I know fruit is one of those words that can imply all right, uh, multiplicity, right? Um, or it can denote something singular. But it's interesting that he could have, in the original language, he could have used the plural form, but he doesn't. It's the singular. Which is interesting, right? Because this is what Paul is saying. He's saying there is, in essence, there's one cluster. And it is manifested and it's exercised and it's revealed in nine different ways. And this is what you, it's very important. So when you're experiencing God touching your life, the Holy Spirit filling you and you're displaying fruit, it's not like, well, today I'll experience love and then when I just really work on myself, then it'll be self-control. No, what Paul is saying here is this, all nine depictions of fruit here are interconnected with one another. That if you're truly filled by the Spirit and connected to Jesus, you will exhibit all nine fruit at the same time. And if you don't, it's a counterfeit type of fruit that didn't come from the Spirit, but it came from your own inspiration and flesh. I'll show you how this works. You guys ready? All right. If you are filled with God's love, and you're saying, I'm such a loving person, God has blasted me with his love, but you don't have joy. It's a counterfeit love. Right? If you're someone that says, I have peace in my heart, peace, um, you're all zen-like, but you have no self-control. You, ha you cannot stop eating the donuts. You can't stop running your mouth. You have no self-control. It's a counterfeit fruit. 
Because the fruit that God offers is all interconnected, that if you have peace, you'll also have self-control. It's all connected. This is the fruit that Jesus is referring to here. That if you abide in him, and if you're connected spiritually to Jesus, you will exhibit these nine qualities of fruit. And if you've ever been around someone who has just outstanding moral character, it's fun to be around them because they don't judge you. They have a light sense of humor. They're open-minded. They can speak their mind, but in a way that's not like aggressively judging. It's, it's, a, it's great to be around people who have really been transformed. But you and I know of religious types who aren't exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. It's the counterfeit fruits, and it's like, whoa. Like, you, you have a lot of truth, but you're also very narrow-minded and bigoted. And what do we, we don't want to be around them. Guys, here's the thing. On a hot summer day, when you see fruit that's glistening with the little drops of water and it's plump and juicy and shiny, what's your natural instinct? Go over there and you pluck it off, right? You go over there, you peel the skin. Fruit is not repulsive. Fruit is attractive. So if you're experiencing connection with Jesus, people will be attracted to you. And this is how you get to share your life. This is how you get to share Jesus. Now, how is fruit experienced? We said it's, it's about connecting with Jesus, okay? But we're going to break this down a little bit. I want you to put up this next slide, Ellie. Henry Nouwen is a Catholic priest, and he wrote something very, very profound. He said that there is a great difference between successfulness and fruitfulness. Success comes from strength, from control and respectability. A successful person has the energy to create something, to keep control over its development and to make it available in large quantities. Success brings many rewards and often fame. Fruit, however, comes from weakness and vulnerability. And fruits are unique. A child is the fruit conceived in vulnerability. Community is the fruit born through shared brokenness. And intimacy is the fruit that grows through touching one another's wounds. And let me remind one another that what brings us true joy is not successfulness, but fruitfulness. God has called Jesus' followers not to be successful, but he has called and he's designed us and blessed us and equipped us to become fruitful. Success is a great tool in which God uses for his kingdom. But success is limited because if you're handicapped, you no longer can work hard. If you're mentally challenged, you can no longer do the things that a normal person can do. Success is very limited towards people who are in the position of having resources, mental resources, physical resources, financial, social, whatever. But the good news of Jesus is for all people, even if you have no resources. You guys you see what I'm saying? We are called to be fruitful. If you're in a season where you're able to be successful, you run with that. Joy does not come from success. Joy comes from a deep inner transformation of the heart. And so here, this is why Jesus says, my father 
in heaven does everything he can when you are connected to him, connected to Jesus, to maximize fruitfulness and joy and transformation in your life. This is good news. This is great news. So how are we to experience fruit? Listen, every single one of us are going to go through life and go through seasons when it just doesn't work. You have family and friends or maybe even yourself who has terminal disease and there is no cure. Maybe there's medication to slow it down, but there is no cure. We go through seasons of life where people turn their backs against us and it seems like the right thing causes us to be the ones who are ridiculed and marginalized and oppressed and judged. We all go through these hard seasons and this is what God is saying is that when you go through those seasons in life where life does not work and you you find yourself becoming angry because there's no acknowledgement, there's no honor, there's no blessing by other people, it just seems like you're dry. If you hang on, if you connect, if you are abiding in Jesus during those seasons, the guarantee is that you will bear fruit. What happens when things get tough in our life? We distance ourselves from family, we distance ourselves from people, and here's the thing, when things don't go well in our lives, we distance ourselves from ourselves. We distance ourselves from our emotions and our pain. And to not address those things means that we're denying ourselves because emotion and pain and hardship, that's, that's, that's a part of who I am. Fruit is experienced when you cling to Jesus during hard seasons of your life. I, I love to garden. I love to garden. I remember when I was in college, we had this, um, this vine in our house, right? And it always produced great leaves. And I was, I was at Seattle Pacific University and our house was kind of on the market, right? And once a week I would go back to Shelton, this was like in the winter time, and all the plants were dehydrated, right? And this poor, every week I would go back, my little vine, which was about maybe three feet tall, Every week, it would lose a little bit more leaves, a little bit more. And then I would water it and water it, right? And then I'd come back the next week, and it'd be dry again, and it would lose a little bit more leaves. And so one day, I just had this brilliant idea. Why don't I just bring the plant back to my dorm? So I did that. Not much change happened. Not much growth happened after I watered it and brought it into a, a warmer environment. But after about three months, you know what happened? For the first time in three years of having that plant, it flowered. I didn't understand that a plant has to go through hardship, has to go through harsh, cold, dark seasons, but it still has to hang on to life in order for it to flourish. Everyone can do that because everyone goes through hard times. And this is what Jesus promises. He says, hey, when you go through hard times in your life, there's another guarantee. And that guarantee is this. I know exactly what you're going through, and I will not dismiss you, and I will not run away from you during these hardships. So don't you dare run away from me. Don't you dare leave my side, because I'm going to be the only source of life for you. So how is fruit experienced for followers of Jesus? It's experienced by during hard times, dark times, dry times, emotionally agonizing times, hanging and clinging to Jesus. 
what does it mean to hang and cling to Jesus? Like, how do we do that? There are several ways that's outlined in the text. Jesus talks about abiding in him looks like hanging on to his words. I don't know how many of you um, are really into watching uh, blockbuster movies. Right? And I, I kind of have an extreme where I love to watch like, just very epic and action-oriented movies. And then I love watch like heart-wrenching, tear-jerking chick flicks, right? Romance, right? Just, just the ones that just hit you up the gut and you're like, cry, man, is anyone looking and just, you're just, Whoa! inside of you, it's just like pouring out. Like I love those kind of movies. And every time I walk away from those theaters, all night, all night and until the next day, maybe until the whole week, the theme and the big idea and the truth of that movie plays in me over and over and over and over and over. And so what I find is that my emotions start aligning up to that thought. My actions and what I do and how I schedule my week aligns with that thought. That's what Jesus is saying, is that when my words, my truth, my eternal truth, when they land in your heart, to a degree where you can't escape and you're just thinking over and over, it will shape and mold you. So a person who is abiding and connected to Jesus is somebody who has his words in you. And notice, it doesn't come out in our English language, but in the original, there are two words that's used for word, right? If my word remains in you. The one is found in John 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The word that John is describing in John 1 is not the same word that he's describing in John 15. The word in John 1 is the logos. It's the principles. It's the truth. Do you want to know what word it's here that's being used? It's the rhema. Rhema is a spoken word. It's like when you're having coffee with someone, they look intently in the eye and they give you truth. And that truth pierces you. It's a spoken word. It's the one that you can't get away with. Rhema is like kind of like if you're like a little kid and you're on the playground and they, yell, and they say, hey, you're, you're so skinny. Like, you're such a weakling, which happened to me growing up, right? That was a rhema word that was planted in me. And so for many, many years growing up, I had this ultimate desire of being a really buff, muscular person. Why? Because I wanted to escape that pain. But that was a rhema that was spoken to me. It was negative. You cannot hear God's rhema word unless you're spending time in prayer and in the word. You can't. But here's the thing. If you acknowledge that he does that and give him space, God will speak. God will speak. Why? Because if my fruit is dependent upon God speaking to me, the onus is on, is on God. He's already going to do it. It's on me to be in postures and to have ears that are opened and receptive to him. So it's not just God's word, but it's also abiding in his commands. So to be connected to Jesus means that you are in obedience to what God says and what God wants. And this, doesn't, this shouldn't surprise any of you guys, right? So with my kids, when I spend a lot of time with my kids, and we're laughing and just going with the flow, and we're bon like in the backyard and being son, like dad has like nice clothes on, right? And they decide to spray the garden hose, right? And it gets dad a little wet. And rather than dad saying, hey, what are you doing? 
right? What if, what if dad goes, whoa, that was really refreshing. Like, dad, you're crazy. It's like 40 degrees. I was like, but that was really refreshing. Thanks, guys. And then here, Elias, because he's kind of mischievous, he goes and he just, just tests me. Just, what, if, what if he just shot me in the face with that garden hose, right? And I go, oh my gosh, well, I haven't felt something like that in a long time. And I just roll with the punches. And we're, we're there, and then we're soaked. He's soaked, and we take off our shirts, and we just get down in our underwear, and neighbors are, and I'm soaking him, he's soaking me. We're throwing bark and just going crazy, right? And we're cultivating this intimacy. And say two hours later, I say, okay, guys, we need to go outside. We need to clean all that mess. But it's dark, and it's rainy. Hey, guys, we really need to, we need to clean up because uh, there's some people that can come over tomorrow. Do you think my son, my daughter, will listen to me? You bet they will. Because you know that you're connected to Jesus when there's a deep desire that says, God, whatever you ask, I'll do. Because you obey and you honor the people that you love. I remember when I, this is not love necessarily, but when I, when I was just infatuated with Candace, my wife. I mean, gosh, there was nothing that I would not do. And granted, part of it was trying to gain her love, but at the same time, I was so mesmerized by her, right? So if she wanted me to drive two hours because she was going to a conference and she wanted me to drop off Korean food because she was out in the middle of like Timbuktu, guess what I would have done? I would have driven and I would have brought her the best Korean food. But why? Because I'm connected to her. One of the indicators and one of the signs that we're connected to Jesus as we say yes to him, even if it's a big risk. So you read Matthew 28 and says, go into the world and make disciples, preaching the gospel. And you're like, oh, but God, I'm an introvert. I'm shy. But, but you're reading this and God mandates it. And he says, I've given you my spirit and all my authority. And, and you just can't rest. And so you just take baby steps. And so you start telling your dog and, and you start telling your neighbor about Jesus. Why? Because you love Jesus. There are three things that show us that we're connected to Jesus. One, we can't escape his words and his truth. Two, we just want to follow him and obey him like crazy. Three, we just love spending time with him. We just love him. We just love him so much. And there's a fourth thing. The fourth, back in Matthew, when Jesus is addressing the Pharisees, Matthew 3.8, he says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What does that mean? It means one of the indicators that we're connected to Jesus is that we are in an ongoing state of saying, God, I'm sorry. We, we do things, and here's the thing, we're going to do things that aren't going to please God, but when we get into that place, we acknowledge, gosh, this wasn't right. And I'm really sorry. And then we repent. Because you know what repentance is? Repentance is not an exertion of your willpower to change your mind. That's not repentance. That's brainwashing. Repentance is when you had this bad habit or you had this bad thing that you've been doing and then you're exposed to something even better. And inside of you, there's a change of mindset and there's a change of desires where you no longer want this anymore. That's repentance. So, Back in the day, cars only had manual window openers. Like, it was bad, right? So, like, 
<laughs> if you wanted to open the car, you know, the door in the back, you'd have to, like, while you're driving, you have to go like, kind of like this and make sure you don't get into an accident, right? I know, like, it, that was better than nothing. But once you experience automatic, automatic door or window openers, you never want to go back to that. Why? Because there's been repentance. You thought that was good, and then you experienced something even better, and there was a mind shift, and then there was an emotional shift, and so you made the change. That's repentance. And God says, when you're connected to me in Christ, you're going to constantly be renewed, and you're constantly going to be changed. God guarantees that if we connect to Jesus in hard times and in good times, guarantees life transformation in our souls. Guarantees. And lastly, all of this is done is so that you can experience much joy. I want you to hear this. A lot of people in America are happy because happy is contingent upon stuff. But not many people are joyful. You know why? Happiness is based on you being in control. You do work, and you do work well. You get noticed by your employers. You get a promotion. You are happy. You do your taxes really, really well, and you find some loopholes in TurboTax, and you get even a bigger tax return. You are happy. You're not joyful. See, joy has nothing to do with your control. And when I discovered this, I was like, oh my gosh, if there is going to be any person in this world that's going to be joyful, it should be Jesus followers. Joy is experienced when there's deep needs and you recognize I have no resources to be able to meet those needs. And here comes somebody or something that comes into your life and provides those needs. You experience joy. All you were was in need and you had a heart that was open and someone blessed you. This is how God operates. What's our deep need? Our deep need is for heart transformation. Our deep need is for us to be more loving, to be more patient, to be more peaceful, to be more joy-filled, to be more good. But we can't do that on our own. So what did God do? How did God provide that need? God saw that you and I, because we're never okay with ourselves, we always attach ourselves to something or someone. Think about it. You attach yourself to your work. You attach yourself to your spouse. You attach yourself to your children. You attach yourself to a philosophy or an idea. And what ends up happening? You're always left disappointed. Sure, you have good moments. But if there's the one thing that we're to connect with, that guarantees change, it's Jesus. And he offers that to us. I know some of you are like, oh, gosh, okay, that sounds good theoretically, but how do I do this when my life just ain't working? What do I do when life just isn't working? How do I connect with Jesus? And I'd say, your starting point is, should never be, how can I connect with Jesus? Your starting point should always be the gospel. It should always be what Jesus initiated. And it's this. During the darkest, driest, hardest time in Jesus' life, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
and he was asking for his three close friends to pray and intercede for him. They all fell asleep. They abandoned him. And Jesus was sweating out blood under immense amount of stress and pressure because he knew what was about to come before him. He didn't bail on us on the garden. When he's taken away by the Roman soldiers and he was being whipped and flogged and physically just obliterated, he didn't abandon us then. When he went to the cross and he was yelling out like a madman and God's Father's wrath came upon Jesus, he didn't abandon us then. He didn't say, this is too hard. He says, they they don't even know how much of a price I'm paying for them. What did Jesus do? He hung on. He abided. He stayed. He was faithful to the Father. He was faithful to his love. He was faithful to the Father's word. And it's when we get that truth inside of us, that rhema, that God loves us, that he will never abandon us, that if he didn't abandon us in the most difficult, challenging time in human history, he will never abandon us in our little hardships and sufferings. When you get that, that's how we begin to connect. That's how we begin to land in Jesus. That's how we begin to give our hearts to him. It starts with him. He loves you. God, he, lo- he loves you. And, he, and it's not that he just has this generic plan for you. He does have a plan for you. And don't allow the devil, don't allow these alternative voices, don't allow even your own experiences to pass saying, no, that's not true. If you're going to come face to face, God's truth or your truth, your truth has to bow down to God's truth. When your spirit wrestles with the spirit of God, your spirit will always lose. It'll always come under submission to him. Why? Because God's spirit will always come on top. So friends, it's a matter of just trusting in his words. It's it's, it's, it's a matter of trusting in Jesus' obedience to the Father. It's a matter of trusting in Jesus' love for you. So rest in it. Rest in it. Rest in it. This is the way, this is the pathway to life transformation. It's all about Jesus. I hope you guys can see this. And yes, it's going to be hard for a season. But the guarantee and the voice that Jesus presents is this. You will experience joy. Joy. So do business with Jesus. Cling to Jesus. And you see this thing called the Bible? Spend some time in it. And asking God to speak to me. Bow your heads. Let's pray together. Father, Father, the objection and the challenge and the barriers are always with us. God, help us to believe. Help us to believe that Jesus is greater, that he is better, that he is more. Father, I pray for all my friends that are here this morning. Father, that they they will see and they will just trust that you cannot lie. And it is not our job to figure it out, but it's just our job to remain in the true vine that guarantees fruit. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you will do inside of us. Give us the grace. Enable us to do what we cannot do, but what our hearts deeply desire. All for the glory of the Father. And it's in his name that we pray.
Amen.